And, uh, you know, like all that led up to me being calm, cool and collected with 2000 people listening. Now, there's definitely times where I've reached out to somebody like, hey, do you want to come on? But they know that there's you know, 2000 concurrent listeners on there. Hey, I'm Rudy, and this is the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Here, we learn about the lives of our favorite crypto experts, leaders and entrepreneurs. Welcome, Mr. Mojo, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be yeah, here. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and it's nice to have someone who's so dedicated and so active in the Poop community with me because I use it all the time. You'll get one at the end of my show for being on my show. Woo, let's go. <laughs> How to get people on your podcast, offer them Poops. That's a secret. Yes. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. And I know you have a rich history in the crypto scene, but before we get into all that, I want to know more about what Mr. Mojo was doing before we even heard about cryptocurrencies at all or even bitcoin or anything like that mm -hmm. sure so i mean really i only got into this about a year ago now thanks to Superfiz. actually before crypto i was just working right regular jobs like i was working at walmart before i jumped into crypto and before then i was working as an insurance agent mm -hmm. i worked with adults with disabilities i worked at a movie theater that i, I still go to all the time thankfully not behind <laughs> the counter selling popcorn but as a visitor buying the popcorn and watching the movie. But but yeah, uh, I've really only been around for about a year and I was just doing regular people stuff before then, to be honest with you. <laughs> regular people stuff. Hopefully crypto becomes regular people stuff and everyone starts making that as a mainstream norm. Yeah. Well, well then we're just going to all be normies <laughs> again then, right? If that's the, that's case. the ultimate goal, right? Change into from normies <laughs> to crypto heads and back to normies. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, during this time while you were working, was it, were you always like into tech? Were you like, following like the whole internet scene or? Yeah. So I was really into kind of what I'm doing now, which is live streaming, video creation and stuff like that. I, I formed it around this video game called RuneScape, which I'm sure a lot of people know about. So usually when people talk about RuneScape, they think like old school RuneScape or the one that has like the terrible graphics and everything, like the one that everyone plays. But I was actually playing the main game, so RuneScape 3, that I was like a uh, small creator on there for a little while, I guess you could say. That was my, like, really jumping into tech stuff. It was more so, like, software video creation side, not really, like, hardware or anything gotcha. like that. And so you're always, like, following that scene, the gaming scene, especially where you had digital currency in the gaming world. It's kind of funny how you moved into digital currency for the real world. <laughs> yeah. So and then... I at what point did you hear about Bitcoin? What was the first time you heard about it? Oh, goodness. A really long time ago. I think back when it was like going one of, during one of its big shoot up, whenever it shot up to, I think like 9,000 or mm -hmm. something like that. I was seeing all the memes, like all the Dragon Ball Z memes. It's over <laughs> 9,000 and stuff like that. I, I forget when this was, but it was quite some time ago now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably but, 2015. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it was like 2014, 2015 or something like that when this happened. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that that's cool. Like, I had no idea what it was, had, didn't care about getting into wow. it or anything. It was just kind of one of those things that I, I know. Wow. Tell me about it. It was just one of those things where I was like, that's cool. And I just let it be. And yeah, now I'm sitting here like, if only I would have gotten <laughs> into crypto seven years ago when I was really first learning about it. So that's that's oh, wild. Wow. So you you saw Bitcoin, you heard of the memes, you're seeing a little bit of like internet culture, making fun of it, or just getting excited about it. Nothing, nothing at all yeah. about it got you 
excited or triggered no no because honestly when it especially back then i was just more focused on being a twitch streamer mm -hmm. and like going to my job to make sure i could like eat in the meantime and stuff like that and i don't know i, I was very spread thin between yeah. those two kind of things and so trying to venture off into something else like that it really wasn't in the cards for me at the time it, it wasn't really brought up and the only time that it was even talked about was when it was like, lol, check out this funny meme or like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin went all the way up and now it's back all the way down. Haha, <laughs> suckers yeah. and stuff like that. So, wow. So then what was the pivoting moment for you to get into the crypto scene? To be honest with you, it was the whole GameStop thing. So you had saw these people who I mean, we all sort of know the story of the of the GameStop stock where a bunch of people rallied together. They bought up a whole bunch of the stock to make a short squeeze and it just went yep. And AMC went and things like like Blackberry and everything like that, like these meme stocks were all the rage. This is like right when COVID yeah. was starting or around that time, if I'm not mistaken. And so this is also when like ETH and Bitcoin were really going into that huge run that we had saw during like DeFi summer mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, like it was around that time where I was like, OK maybe I should pay attention to what this stuff is. And so I started to just kind of get little tidbits here and there about what it was, but it, it really wasn't until Superfizz was like, you need to pay attention <laughs> to this thing where I was like, okay. And then I really started paying attention to it. And then, so then I, what was it like trying to make money aspect out of it? It was kind of like got you first turned on and then. So I'm very fortunate to say that coming into this ecosystem, I had no assumptions about anything. Like I literally had no idea what was going on. I was just sort of like interested in it because it, it was on like one of the big mover charts. And so of course it's like at the top of the list of big movers. So I'm just like always seeing it all the time. And I, I wanted a career change. Uh, I was working at Walmart. This was about a year ago. This is like, I don't know, maybe May or June of a, uh, 2021 i had messaged superfizz and i was like hey i know that you're really big into tech and stuff i'm looking for a career change can you give me some advice on where i can look towards to change what i'm doing i don't want to wake up at like 45 years old and i'm still putting groceries yeah. in the back of people's vehicles you know what i'm saying and so uh just reaching out like that he was like okay great come and talk to me and so i spoke to him and he had explained a whole bunch of stuff to me about like what cryptocurrency even is. He started giving me the whole spiel on staking and stuff like that and how amazing he believes it is and all this other stuff. And so my starting point really was like the staking community when it comes to actually like no longer getting my like toes and yep. feet wet. Now I'm like actually jumping in the pool. I jumped into staking as like my thing because of Superfits. Yeah. And it wasn't really to make money. It was to learn about what was going on because I was I just started getting interested in it because I was seeing it everywhere and people started talking about it a lot. Yeah, and that's that's a good thing because like Superfizz has definitely changed many people's lives. I have like maybe a few episodes of people who just thank him for the reason why they're in crypto. I might have to start <laughs> making a, a meme where it's like all my guests are <laughs> Superfizz related. But yeah, so then I'm, I mean, that's awesome that you got you into it, got you excited about, about it, and now you're diving into the staking community. Was well, that a whole new world in terms of like like technology? It's it's a it's a mm -hmm. like it's still staking is not easy for everyone to do. 
it's a lot to understand, a lot to learn. And I mean, that me <laughs> that feeling it. for you is like, all right, what do I know about crypto, let alone the most important aspect of Ethereum that's coming up, which is staking. How, yep. how what was going on through your head? Like, how do you how do you absorb all that information and and try to oh, relay man. it to others? Very slowly. <laughs> I will put it to you that way. It's definitely I, I mean, even now, I I struggle with trying to keep up with like exactly what everything is, what terms are, how this tech works, because we're at a point where there's a bunch of rapid change happening. And so one day something works this way. Well, now they push something out and it works totally Mm -hmm. different. And to be honest, I'm really not that like technical minded as well. And unfortunately, the staking community, at least in the the capacity that I was in, was like very tech heavy uh, in terms of like coding and the technical side. And so I was like, oh, man, like I have no idea what's happening. And so to help myself out, I actually went to a technical college and got a certificate in data analytics just so that I could get a better understanding of like tech stuff or of like the coding aspect of things. But I'm telling you, man, while it did help me out in terms of like navigating through things and it even helped me contribute to some staking resources in a few ways, it's just so much to like really dive in head first. Man, I felt like I was just like i don't know i i I thought of it as like an elevator right so so basically i'm on the bottom floor but i want to be at the top floor where the party's at but in order to get there get in the elevator well you gotta go up all the floors well man that it was a very very it's like someone pushed all the buttons for you before you had to go up and you had to just get off of each floor and wait Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel that too. I mean, it's always such a daunting experience. Jump. Like if if I was someone who didn't know anything about crypto and I jumped into it, it's a lot to take on. And let alone when someone comes to me for help or guidance or advice, I'm like, "How much do you know?" And like nothing. I'm like, "All right, exactly. here we go." <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get some popcorn and cold, cold, like sit down. There's a lot to talk about. So I mean, that's that's uh, definitely awesome because the best way to learn is just like through experience and the best teachers, the people who mm-hmm. went through the most experience. So it's awesome that hopefully you can, you know, contribute also into the staking community from what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Sure have. Yeah. I, I, and for that, I really want to thank the e-staker community for that. I was actually, I, I got the opportunity to be their intern for about six months or so. And Remy Ra, who wonderful person super knowledgeable he has wagyu tools as well and he's the person that really helped me actually like like typing out code getting it implemented in projects he was the person that was like okay here's something that you can do do it and then either it's like i I do it or he helps me like figure it out and then i complete it and then i get that pull request in and he's like yeah (laughs) there you go yeah, th- there's your contribution. And then I ended up getting a, a Git pop for oh, earlier. Awesome. So that was really fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. still like, I rarely use Git. And I'm always like, oh, how do I do this again? Like, oh my gosh, how do I pull oh, commands? I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I uh, know. It's something I don't do too often. I always have to Google. Yeah. How do I do a pull request I think again? That's, I think that's like <laughs> one of the things I've learned. Like, like recognizing that I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, all right. Oh. I could I'm not I, I could code I, I can do it I can get through it and I'm like always watching other like much more knowledgeable people than me like just code away I'm like how, how do you get, get through that I, I know I, I know so whenever I was in school 
um, Colfax Selby, who is the owner of GitPo app. He was actually my mentor, which is like, oh, thank you, Superfiz, for that. But during those first meetings with him, I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, this guy has like 10 years of experience on me. Like he's going to listen to me talk about something and be like, oh, well, how how stupid is this guy? But thankfully, no, he's not. an awesome he person. Was, uh, yeah, he was super patient. He showed me resources that helped me out tremendously. He was, you know, he, he was the, there for me more than just like, here's how you code something. You know, like uh, I had a, my big uh, capstone that I had to do. And he was like, hey, man, you got this. You know, just uh, make sure you're doing stuff on time and whatever. You know, he's giving me the good old pep talk to make sure that I'm actually doing it. And really, that's all I needed because I was at the point where I don't need somebody to tell me how to code. I just need somebody telling me that yep. I can do it. He was like spot on. Yep with his support and that. it's like yeah he's great for that and like superfiz is also great for that too because they're just like you know when someone else can see something more in, in you than you see in yourself those people can definitely see it and yeah when i recorded my episode with colfax he was yeah, absolutely amazing and super wholesome and his journey from like being a chef into a developer i'm like yes yeah. man like you can do anything if you really set your mind to it huh <laughs> yeah, man, I was I was a little disappointed because during ETH Denver, in fact, when, whenever I, I had met you, so I was going to the ETH Staker house a lot and Colfax, he had cooked some food, but unfortunately I had missed out on oh, his cooking. Man. It was all gone by the time that I was there and then he just didn't cook again <laughs> for the rest of the time that I was there. So I was like, man, I really missed out. And then when I got to see him again at DevConnect, just again, never had an opportunity to cook anywhere. So oh, man. I haven't got to savor his food <laughs> yet, but one day, one day it's going to happen. Yeah, I know. You have to try to commit something really amazing in GitHub or for a GitPo app, and then maybe we'll get rewarded. Exactly. Or that should be a pop in itself. Exactly. I ate Colfax's food. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, Colfax, if you're listening to this, you better get that petition out there for, for, uh, I ate. Colfax's food. It's kind of like a you met me poet, but another step further. There's some extra qualifications there. Oh man. So then, yeah, now I know that you're um also working a lot in the poet community. So how did you transition mm -hmm. or I guess how did you also add on from Staker to Poap? Yeah, so honestly, this is right around the time that I actually joined in on Staker. Simultaneously, Superfizz had told me, hey, we're starting a community call for POAP. You've been using them ever since you started. I know that you really like it. You enjoy them. Will will you come on and record them for us? So really, that's all it was meant to be. At least initially, I was just to come on, make sure that it was recorded, uploaded to YouTube and things like that. And I could just uh, chime in whenever. But then it transformed into me becoming like the lead content host for the mm -hmm. show. And how that ended up happening was uh, Super Fizz. He had he went on vacation for like two weeks or something just because he wanted to get away. And like his uh, family was like, hey, uh, we want to go do something fun and stuff like that because COVID was yeah. finally starting to slow down at the time. And they were like fairly strict with their lockdown. And so them as a family finally said, OK, it's time for us to go on vacation. So they went for like two weeks. And I was like, well, if I don't do this, we're not going to have a community call. So I basically took Stepped over up. whatever's supposed to be there and it just stuck. And now I am like the main host. And it's it's crazy to think that that has happened. But hey, <laughs> I appreciate every second and every moment. And of it. How has that been going for you, the, the community calls and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been going really well, actually. It, it's something that I look forward to every single week. And really, it was the inspiration for me to end up resigning as the East Taker intern and making like poet content creation my full time thing, because it's so fun to be able to to get up on that discord stage, knowing that like throughout the week you've been like picking and choosing like things to Mm -hmm. talk about. Maybe you're asking someone to come on and like talk about their project or uh, you want them to talk about their experiences at a conference or something like that. And so like you ask them like, hey, you want to come up on the community call? And they're like, yes, please. I want to come on the pub community call. This is great. And they get so excited. And uh, I asked them to like share their favorite posts with me for the POAP showcase. And they're just, they're always like, oh yeah, here you go. And I asked them to give a spiel on it. And they just go on and on and on about their favorite pubs, dude. It's so exciting to me. <laughs> I whenever i get to do that thing it's it's so fun man i'm 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 truly blessed i love that and yeah i remember when i joined the call once i was like oh wow i was like over a thousand people listening to me i'm like i mean i have my podcast show but it's like i feel it's very one-on-one and i'm like oh yeah i'll just upload it later and see what happens but on that it's a pretty big discussion big form and it's a a different feeling having that many ears and to also experience to share and having everyone also very excited to listen to what you have to say Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's also sort of interesting, too, because for for what I've been doing, I feel like it's a good fit for me, too, because uh, like I said earlier, I had been Mm -hmm. live streaming on Twitch and doing the content creation stuff. And so I've had like about two years, three years or so of experience doing that. Uh, I've been doing it on and off intermittently, but I would say it's probably about three years of actual experience. And, uh, you know, like all that led up to me being calm, cool and collected with 2000 people listening. Now there's definitely times where I've reached out to somebody like, Hey, do you want to come on? But they know that there's, you know, 2000 concurrent listeners on there. And they're like, yeah, I'm very uncomfortable going on there. I'm too nervous for that. And I'm like, dude, it's nothing. (laughs) It's just a number on a screen. Sure. There are times where I have to really think about what I'm saying because I'm like, okay, I don't want to curse or I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, that's actually kind of a, I don't want to say like a fear that I have, but like an obligation that I have where it's like, okay, anything I say, I want it to be as truthful and as accurate as possible. So, and even like for the Pope Report, the project that I'm working on now, I write out scripts for that because I want to make sure that when I'm going over it, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like, it's definitely the worst when you like try to like make it up and you don't have it anything to make up in your head that's like ah shoot yeah and and you got two thousand people on the other end or or even people who are up on the stage on the panel no they're listening to you and they're trying to work off of what you're saying and you're just throwing out a word salad and they're like so what i'm going to move on to (laughs) or whatever they end up doing right (laughs) oh man it's definitely i mean i i mean i yeah that's why i mean you're the expert in it so I trust you and your advice is definitely taken for whenever I have an opportunity to speak again in front of like a couple of thousand people. But yeah, it's like also the thing as to anything you do in life is always come as prepared as you can and for sure give, like you said, truthful, accurate information and yeah, give people who are listening something important to listen to. Now, as you're growing in the pop community, is there, I mean, again, this sounds like almost as a dream, dream job, like online talking to people, sharing your passion, sharing what you love to do and getting other people excited about it. 
And you mentioned the POAP report, and I and I want to go more into that because it's a project that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Definitely go more into the POAP report, what that's about, and kind of why you started it, and where do you see it taking off? Yeah, sure. So I ended up starting the POAP report because I was speaking to Anthony, who is the growth manager over at POAP. He's kind of like our liaison between the POAP team and the community call, because everyone on that community call were not employed by POAP. Uh, and this fly is going to annoy me. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm just going to be batting at it every now and then as it comes in. So anyway, as I was trying to say, when it comes to that POAP community call, everybody up there, we're we're not an employee of POAP. So uh, Anthony, whenever he got hired on, he basically became our liaison between us on the panel and the POAP team. Gotcha. And I had actually approached him and I had said, hey, man, I am super passionate about this community call. I want to do more. And so he was giving me some advice like, hey, maybe you should like implement news and stuff into it. And so for a while there, I was actually putting that in the community call. But then honestly, it sort of turned into like, what does Mr. Mojo want to talk about today? (laughs) And I I didn't want it to be, oh, yeah, here I am going to take up all the talking time, giving a monologue about something and then trying to see if people are willing to talk about it afterward. And so I was like, okay. Let's kind of strip it from that. Let's have the community call be the community call where sure we can talk about news and stuff, but it needs to be mm-hmm. organic or like agreed upon with the group instead of me just saying, I'm going to place this here. And this is my segment and whatever I say, and then we're going to talk about it. It was like, okay, let's take it from here and let's put it into something else. And so I got some good advice from, from Anthony. I, I was originally actually trying to make it and be like a POAP employee. So I would build out the show and then essentially pitch it to like C-suite POAP. Be like, hey, like, do you want to fund this thing? Like, let's have it be under the POAP brand and everything. You can help me build a team and blah, 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 blah. And so he was like, or you could just do it yourself and own all the rights to it. And then, you know, you'll be able to reap all the benefits and rewards. And as time goes on, you can still build a team. It's just going to have to be on you. You're not going to be giving it all away to POAP, especially if this thing grows. And I was like, okay. Sounds good. And so I am a independent media channel, nice. which is which is really fun. You know, I, I actually end up watching a lot of independent media all the time. I'm like super into politics. I, I don't want to get too deep into that because, you know, I want to keep it wholesome <laughs> on here. And uh, I know that like that is a very like a thing between yeah. people. But the people that I watch, I pull a lot of inspiration from them. Um, uh, I think uh, a few that I've said before, like David Pakman's show. Pull a lot of inspiration from him, Brian Tyler Cohen, David Dole, Sam Cedar, stuff like that. So that's kind of like the style that I like to put it in and just try to get it out there. Accurate information, uh, being informative, talking about what's going on in POAP because I do have connections there and talking about what's going on with projects. Maybe having someone come on wanting to talk about what they're doing with their project or maybe having someone from the community come on talking about what's happening mm-hmm. Or even just telling about certain pop-up drops, what was going on with them. That's the kind of thing I've been doing so far. That's awesome. And like like you said, it's always like enjoyed a lot. And I think the crypto, crypto well, any community, but especially in crypto, it's some type of curated form where they can just get what they need as fast as possible. Like there's a ton of like mm-hmm. documenting Bitcoin or documenting Ethereum or Crypto Gucci's Ethereum newsletter, uh, Newsweek. People just want that concise information because sometimes they don't have time to go on the community calls to like like you said, like get the latest and greatest, but that's a great way to do right. it. And when did you start that? So I actually started 
this past month, the the first uh, episodes. Well, well, really, it's actually kind of a, a funny story to this. So I had made the first episode and, and really how the format's supposed to be is I have about an hour or so of content, which I will upload as an episode. So if you wanted to like mm-hmm. watch the full form, you can. And there's even like some stories in there that like are only going to be in there. But I take the best bits and I sort of cut them up and I post them as standalone videos. Awesome. So so, you know, maybe, hey, you you Google something, you see like the news story, you watch the news story, and then maybe you're like, oh, like this is attached to a full show. Maybe I want to watch the whole thing. Or the viewer can just get what they need. And yeah, like I said, I've been doing it for about a month or so. And uh, for that first episode, when you first create a YouTube channel, you got to verify mm-hmm. yourself. So I couldn't upload anything past 15 minutes. Well, that's kind of difficult when you're trying to upload an hour show. I just said, all right, whatever. <laughs> and I just cut it all up in the segments and uploaded them oh, one by man. one. And then the next week when I was finally verified, because like I was like, OK, I don't want to give my actual like phone number to this thing. So I ended up getting like a like th- this app where uh, for like five bucks, I was able to get like a vacant number in Texas for like, like, like I said, for five dollars for a year. That's so like that is the number that I'm using and Hey, it ended up working. <laughs> so, Hey, I was fully verified. I was able to like upload uh, thumbnails and everything after that too. Like I had no idea how much was locked behind verifying yourself on YouTube until I tried doing oh, that. Wow. But uh, yeah, the first episode I, I uploaded in just the, the segments. And then afterwards it's been that process where I have about an hour of content. And then throughout the week I'm uploading the segments. that's awesome because yeah i I mean i sometimes try to do that with my show it's like a whole other mission but yeah i mean it's a lot it's a lot of work and it's really (laughs) i feel like people underestimate like oh just a video by somebody and that's a lot of time and effort putting in those type those kinds of videos out there so thank you for doing that but like 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 in this crypto scene 24 7 industry you're working on multiple things what does mr mojo do on the side like any hobbies or or other interests that lie other than crypto to keep yourself like, I guess, outside of crypto or if you're. Yeah, it honestly, man, it has to be the politics really? for me. So here's <laughs> so my, so like, here's my general day. I, I, I will, I will come on. I'll always have discord up. Like I'll, I'll be reading like the pop discord or these other communities that I'm in trying to gather information. You know, I'll be scrolling through Twitter. So that's kind of like the crypto yeah. side of things. And even I'll, I'll go on YouTube every now and then and I'll be watching crypto related videos. But I would say on the flip side of that, there's also the politics thing. Like I was saying earlier, dude, I'm really into it. I, I've actually considered like I already got this all set up and figured out maybe I could do like a politics show, too. But at the same time, it's like, well, if I do that, then I'm going to be known as the politics guy not really the poet guy or vice yeah. versa, you know, like whichever one ends up taking off more is what I'm going to be known for. And trying to split my time when it comes to this type of stuff, that that would be a sort of difficult because right now for the pub report, I'm all by myself and I'm still trying to really figure out how to streamline stuff easier. So, you know, like I had every cut you see on the pub report show is like done by me. Like, like for those first few episodes, I had everything sort of like separated and I was just going in post trying to put it all together and line it up. But uh, now I've been trying to use like OBS more so that I can like, hey, I can just press a button and now here's the scene that I need it to be and I can keep going just one one long cut because eventually I want this to be more than just once a week. I want it to be two times a week, three times a week, maybe even all five days of the week. But as it stands, uh, I'm just one guy. So 
it is what it is. Yeah, and I feel that too because I have my like normal day job and I do this after work. And then just like simply editing a few things takes me a few hours and like uploading and writing the description of the show and just like it's a lot and hopefully it grows to something where it could become a career but we'll see what happens in the future yeah Yeah, or even the big thing for me is like okay what am i going to talk about because while there is a lot of stuff to talk about i don't necessarily know anything about it so you have to get into the research because i want to be as accurate and informative as possible and and even I have this part of me that's like, okay, I want to have a small message and everything that I give as well. So like, sure, I might be talking about, for for example, coming up on the Pope Report today, whenever it gets released, I talk a little bit about how the WNBA, they actually gave out a PO app during the Commissioner's Cup. So oh, wow. for the longest time, that. yeah, yeah, for the longest time, people have been talking about being able to give PO apps out during major sporting events. Well, here you go. WNBA did it using the flow code partnership that ProApp just formed. And, you know, so not only do I want to talk about stuff like that, but I want to talk about like the implications of it and everything. So I want it to be more than just here's thing, move on to the other thing. I want it to be here's thing. This is why it's significant. Now let's move on to the next thing. Here's yep. why it's significant. So, and yeah, like I was saying, I'm just one guy and it takes some time to get it out. And, every little thing that I'm trying to find to make the process faster and trying to discover that. Good. And I think, I think that's like a great thing about a community too, is like you will eventually have your community and people will eventually want to help out just like how you wanted to do the same thing for POAP itself or, or the East Staker group. So, and the, again, people like me also, I just sometimes like to contribute my own time as I can to whatever communities that I really in line with just because I like them. And hopefully that happens for you too when you uh, keep growing your pop report. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> it sounds like that's how you have your day wrapped up. But experiencing all this crypto industry, what is a crypto pet peeve that you have? Oh, too way many. too many. Way too many. Oh my goodness. How, how about I keep one that's fairly relative? So in the POAP community and... For everybody that issues pups, they're, they're going to know about it. The terminology has been changed. You know, first it's been like farmers, but now I don't really like the term farmer because, you know, like like a poet farmer, perhaps there's somebody that's like, yeah, they, they may be showing up to an event because of the poet, but like they're at least interacting and trying to be yeah. part of it. You know, I mean, hey, there, there's events that I, I go to where like I just kind of show up just going to be honest. The the term that I really like is poet poacher because it more encapsulates what's really happening so it's these people that try to find any way possible to get as many mint links from an event and if there's any barrier in the way to preventing them from basically claiming the entire link list they are going to scream and shout and let it all out and they're going to use uh these weird phrases that are never used in western culture like oh shame on your family and um, I, I think one that Patricia, one that I thought was super hilarious, he had talked about how this person, like they didn't get a poet for some event. He had said that this person to Patricio had said, sir, if you are calling me a liar, then there is no honest man in the world. And it's like, who oh, says man. that? <laughs> who says stuff like That's that? That's a pretty good line. Like, you know, also like... It, what? Like, whoa. But uh, yeah, the whole like, oh, I'm expecting good things from you. Like dude i'm sorry it's like a week later this like this event happened forever ago and you're just now asking for it like come on yeah. man or even the the people who you have these these things in place 
where it's more likely that it's going to be one person, one POAP. And maybe you can game it, but it's going to take a lot of effort on the poacher side in order to game it. And their old tricks are no longer working. And now here they are in the chat. Oh, you got a, this is a bad POAP because of blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, you're just outing yourself that you're trying to get more than one because, dude, I this exact thing was to prevent I you. I don't. It's, and he, 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 you are it's so at, wild that, to me. Like POAPs you know. are distributed right now for free. Like doesn't cost anything. You're yeah. not making money off having this POAP, but it's just like, it just goes to show you how intense gamifying can change someone's mind and wanting something so bad just because someone else has it and you don't. It's just like, I have a, I have a yeah. few POAPs, but like, it's, if I don't get one, I'm not going to. Like I went to East Denver and I've missed plenty of POAPs, but just like <laughs> I'm not gonna be upset with the community. It's you know, like it's a fun game. It's not supposed to be a, com- a true competitive money making machine. Yeah. Well, when when you really dive into it, you have a fairly large subgroup of people who are using NFTs as a way for them to make mm-hmm. money. Like that is their income. Maybe they lived in an impoverished area. And so them being able to get an NFT and flip it for even just a dollar is a lot to them. And so you have this situation where you have this subset of people who are using this as their livelihood. And like the whole ethos around it is like, hey, these are memories. Like you're not, I mean, sure, you're able to sell them because there's nothing preventing you. They're just a standard ERC721 token. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you're, you're able to take them. You're able to sell them on a secondary market. But there's no system in place to allow the issuers to, to get any kind of royalties for that, for the pull-up artists to get any kind of royalties for that. So it is a situation where you got people, they're pouring resources into this asset. So you have that being, whether like monetary, like for example, you go onto a Poapathon and you spend a hundred bucks for somebody to make your pull-up art. Well, now this event organizer, they spend a hundred bucks for the pull-up art and then they give out their Poap. Maybe they give out a hundred of them. Well, there's going to be some people who they're going to to cyber attack that and they're going to end up getting, you know, like 20 of them to themselves. They turn around and they're able to sell them for five bucks each. Well, I just gave that person 100 bucks for nothing. Right. And and it, it really is turning into the dynamic shifting where issuers are getting smarter. They're becoming more aware of what's happening. And they're starting to see the value of POAP in terms of not only growing their community, but allowing it to perhaps fund activities that, that they're doing. I know that for me myself, I would love to, to see the infrastructure mature enough to where I'm willing to use them to see if, if perhaps I can get funding for the POAP report because, hey, man, I, I want a better camera. I would love better lighting. I would like to have better equipment and stuff like that. So uh, I would like to eat as well. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doing this as a full-time job. So, you know, like doing it for free, for free, you know, it, it can be really tough. And pubs being out there to help influencers and stuff, it's going to be great. But it's also, as I was saying, sort of flipping the dynamic on its head. It's no longer the issuer is trying to give something away for free and people are extracting value from it. Now it's a person is giving value and expecting to get the value for it. And the people that we're extracting are getting upset. Yeah, and I'm excited to see because like what solutions come up. Like a good one was like the the merge the test net merge calls where you donated one die to get a po app, 
Yeah. And that was really nice. It's like, oh, a donation goes to a good cause and you get a pop for it. And it's, it makes sense. Like I'm working on a project too, where I am trying to reward people um, for meditating, but it's also like, how do I truly prove that you meditate unless I use some type of fitness tracker on you that was tracking right. it? And then hey, yeah, I got ring. one too. <laughs> yeah. So that one would work actually, because the aura ring, you can say you have did a meditation session and then you can just use that API to get all your meditation sessions. And yeah. you can track the heart rate to see that you were truly alive and not just leaving it out somewhere. That would work, but as a grand scheme of everyone else in the world, it's hard to have everyone with an aura ring. Yeah. And and even sometimes too, people really misunderstand what the PO app that they're getting is meant mm-hmm. to be. Because there, there really are a, a lot of poems that are issued that it's just an encapsulation of a memory. They're just commemorating a moment. There's nothing beyond that. But people, they see, oh, hey, this is coming from this is coming from like the pub community call, or it's coming from Eastaker. There, therefore, oh, to- token drop. If I have this, or you know, oh, this is going to get me into something that's going to make me a ton of money. I mean, maybe, Most likely not. But yeah. at the same time. Not necessarily what's in mind when that PoApp's given out. And, you know, sure, people might want to want to speculate on them and that can give them some value. But some people just misplace what PoApps are mm-hmm. really for. Yeah. And like you said, it's supposed to be like it's commemorating a memory and saying, oh, you were there too. Like, so was I. Here's like the proof that we're like yeah. at the same place together. Exactly. Um, but yeah, as you're seeing this community grow, I want to ask, what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? Something that's happened anywhere in the crypto industry for you, but like kind of really shown like this industry is wholesome. That's a really good question because I, I really don't want to make it about myself, but unfortunately uh-huh. I think I am going to a little bit here. I, I want to say how welcoming that this community was to me and and even how I try to be welcoming to other people because of it. When I had entered in, I feel like I was really, really blessed to be able to go into a community from the get-go like Eastaker, like POAP, because I mean, even in the Eastaker motto, they're welcoming first and knowledgeable second. Well, being able to go in there, being a total novice, being honestly just ignorant to everything, I'm going in there, I'm saying what people would be like, oh, wow, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Instead of calling me names, they're going, oh, hey, man, um, take a look at this. It'll answer your question. Or, oh, hey, that's not actually what that is. This is what it is. And they don't do it any kind of like malice mm-hmm. behind it or anything. You know, just the the people that I get to talk to, their attitudes towards stuff. Earlier you spoke about, you know, hey, were you in this for the money or not? And it's like, it's like I, I mean, like, it's nice to get money every now and then. But, you know, the the ethos that was put on me is give value and you will receive value many fold. And the people that I was able to go through this journey with so far and who I know I'm going to continue with. Honestly, that's the most wholesome, the most wholesome thing I can think of right now. And yeah, it's so true because that's what I've noticed a lot in the Ethereum community, especially is how welcoming everyone is. And people want like communities is such an important role, especially in crypto. It's literally a driving factor for some NFT projects. It's just because you have a community that's able to fund your project. And that's great sometimes. And sometimes it's people taking advantage of a certain community um but overall mostly what the ethos is is like you said they're just welcoming first you'll learn as you go because no one can expect someone to know everything 
even the most knowledgeable people need someone else to like study some some other factor of like like all right you focus on all the staking then i'll focus on what's happening in the merge and i'll focus on what's currently happening in the ethereum community it's like yeah you need exactly. a group of people helping each other out to really succeed yeah the web is <laughs> the web of web3 is so large that i mean honestly that this is advice i get people all the time who are trying to actually get mm -hmm. in so we are so new we are so early. There are so many holes to fill when it comes to what you could do. I have people ask me all the time, how can I get into Web3 as a non-developer? Because there's a lot of people that believe, oh, if, if I can't write a line of code, then I don't belong here. And that's totally not true. Now, there's all kinds of artists that they make NFTs and they're able to form communities around that. You have project managers, you have promoters, you have marketers, you have all kinds of stuff. You know, you have advisors, counselors, whatever. You know, there's a spot for you. You just have to figure out what are you good at, what can you give value to. And like I said before, you give it value, you will receive value more in many fold. Mm -hmm. So exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mr. Mojo, for joining me today. And I really appreciate you taking that time. Thanks so much, Rudy. Great to be Thank on. You. Yeah, and excited for uh, you to keep Poop going. And the Poop, I'm definitely going to sign up for the Poop report. So excited to see that too. Yes. Yeah. And hey, if if there's anybody out there, if they're part of the Poop community, whether you're an issuer or you went to this event that dropped a cool Poop, you know, you can tweet me at the Poop report. I love to hear what's going on. Love to hear your stories. You can be on the Poop Report if I want you to be, if you want to be. You know, we're I'm. It's it's brand new. I promise. Like, it's not like this is going out to uh, you know, a hundred thousand people are going to watch this or whatever. You know, it, it it's brand new. So, hey, anything to help show me what's going on in the community? If you want to show it off, feel free to tweet at me again at the Poop Report. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mr. Mojo. See Thanks everyone. so much.